After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I might as well say it because I know you're thinking it. It's a bit of a come down to be here the Sunday after Christmas, isn't it? I mean, after four Christmas Eve services when this place was packed with worshipers, with all kinds of singers and brass and band and candles and pageants of children. And now we're gathered here this morning for one service with fewer voices, though they were glorious, okay, and with fewer instruments. And there's not even a wilted poinsettia left in the building. Have you noticed? It's almost as if the church is taking some kind of a collective breather, pausing after the great celebration of Christmas and asking the question, what now? I mean, the story's been told, the baby's been born, the joy to the worlds have been sung, so what now? It's a very human reaction, isn't it? When you spent a lot of time preparing for something special and it's over, Well, there's a letdown, and the question hangs in the air, what now? What now, the weekend after the big wedding, the weeks following the birth of the baby, the weeks after graduation, the day after the funeral, or the retirement party, or the diagnosis, or the selling of the business, what now? It seems like an appropriate logical question, doesn't it? Well, Mary and Joseph were no exception, my friends. After the angels disappeared and the shepherds went back to the hillside of Bethlehem, the Gospel of Luke records that the young couple had to move on. 
They faced the question, what now? And out of necessity, they began the process of fulfilling their obligations as faithful Jewish parents. Now, you can imagine that they had questions. You can imagine that there were things that they wanted to understand, that they wanted explained. But like every set of new parents, they had to provide for their young son. They, they had to worry about his future. And, and so the Gospel of Luke tells us that they did the only thing they knew to do. It was the only answer they had to the question, what now? What now? Well, they made sure that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. What now? Well, on the 40th day, they made that trip to Jerusalem, to the temple, to make that sacrifice that every Jewish parent had to make at the birth of their first son. Angel songs and shepherd stories give way to practical concerns, and Mary and Joseph fulfill their religious duties. In Jerusalem, we're told, there lived a devout and spirit-filled man named Simeon. Now, Simeon was, in biblical terms, a nice way of saying advanced in age. He was old, really old. And he prayed day after day for the consolation of Israel. He prayed for Israel's salvation. But here's the thing. The more Simeon prayed for God's salvation, the stronger Rome became. And the more Simeon longed for God to be present with Israel, the stronger sin and godlessness became. Now, Simeon had been told by God that he would see the Messiah before his death, and he could feel his age creeping into his bones and into his spirit. He knew his time on earth was short. Can't you imagine Simeon asking, what now, O God? Could you blame him for asking, what now? And then it happens. The Spirit of God leads Simeon to the temple just as Mary and Joseph show up to make their sacrifice on Jesus' behalf. Here we have a classic biblical encounter, right? We've got the young couple just beginning a long, hard road with so many unknowns and so many questions coming face to face with an old man at the very end of his life filled with faith and hope. What now? What now? Can't you just imagine the sight? An old man with stiff back and trembling wrinkled hands reaches out for a pink new born baby and brings that baby into his arms. One life just beginning and another coming to a close, embracing in the sight of everybody in the temple. In the holiness of that moment and that place, Simeon begins to pray. He begins to sing, and Simeon's song is one of gratitude and salvation. He lifts that child, looks that child in the eye, and in his eyes he finds the answer to every what now moment that the world has ever faced or ever will face. Every what now moment that you have ever faced or will face. He finds the answer to every human longing, every human failing. He finds the answer to every promise 
every promise of salvation God has ever made. Now, he says, now I can die in peace. Now my eyes have seen your salvation, O God, the salvation you planned for the world. Thanks be to God. Now, we don't know exactly what Mary and Joseph thought about this. The gospel kind of cleans up the story and says they were amazed. But the truth is, there were so many things they didn't know, so many things they didn't understand. There were still so many unanswered questions. And so you can almost hear them turn to old Simeon and say, hey, old man, you're filled with the Spirit. Tell us, tell us, what now? What's going to happen next? And what an answer. (laughs) What an answer Simeon gives them. What now, he says? What now? Because of this child, your child, this Jesus, the entire world will be offered salvation. This little one, he is going to cause people and families and nations to make a choice for or against the kingdom of God. This infant will grow, and he's going to cause the rise and the fall of many. This son of yours, because he is also God's son, will redeem the world. And Mary, he says, the road will be long. It'll be difficult, and your heart, your heart, it's going to be broken. It's going to be pierced many times over. But listen, Mary, the song of the redeemed, the song that I sing, the song that began at this child's birth, it will never be silenced. It will carry you, and it will carry the faithful who love your son, and it will carry them through every evil, every sin, every difficulty, every obstacle that can be encountered. My eyes have seen your salvation, O God, he's saying. Now I can depart in peace. Your glory and your light will carry the world from darkness and despair, and your redemption is secure. Our redemption is secure. Alleluia. Amen. That was old Simeon's song, the song of the redeemed, a song of hope and peace, of joy and transformation, and It is a song that our world still desperately needs to hear. A song, frankly, that each of you, all of us, desperately need to hear. A song that's perfect for the first day of a brand new year. 2017, really? Can it really be? What now? What will happen next? That is a good question for the first day of a new year, don't you think? What now? What next? What now for us, for our church, for our world? The question, what now, hangs in the air on New Year's Day. And like young Mary and faithful Joseph, there is so much that we cannot know, right? We cannot know what this year holds for those we love, 
what this year holds for our world, what this year holds for those in great need or great pain, but we know who holds us. Amen? We cannot know the unfolding of our dreams and fears in the next 365 days, but we know who unfolds our days with love and grace. Amen? Y'all aren't very good at that. I hate to tell you that. I'm going to give you one more chance. We cannot know what news or events, what people or challenge might pierce our hearts in the days ahead, but we know who sings mercy over us in every situation, who makes every challenge, question, every unknown ahead of us manageable, bearable, livable, and redeemable. Our God, amen? amen. Our God, amen. the one who loves us enough to come to us in unexpected and astounding ways, who comes as a tiny, helpless child in a manger, who comes as a silent, willing sacrifice on a cross, who comes as a powerful presence in an empty tomb, and who moves us to where we need to be in the swirling of wind and of fire. Friends, as we enter this new year, I invite you, hear old Simeon's song. Hear the song of the redeemed because it is the song that will carry each one of us and our world through the next 365 days. Because it's now, now when the energy is low, when the fun and celebration is over, that Christmas really, really begins to matter. That the song of the redeemed absolutely must be sung. The poet Ann Weems puts it this way. She writes, later, after the angels, after the stable, after the child, they went back, as we always must, back to the world that doesn't understand our talk of angels and stars, and especially not of the child. We go back complaining that it doesn't last. They went back singing praises to God. We do have to go back my friends, but we can still sing Alleluia. We can still sing the song of the redeemed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, on this New Year's Day, I challenge you to open your ears, your hearts to Simeon's song. Listen, because it comes without brass or candles or angels' choirs or children's pageants. The song of the redeemed announces that God is in charge, that God's love and mercy are stronger than anything this year is going to throw at us. So may our lives live that song. May we be a church that sings that song. It's a new year with so much that we cannot know. But remember, what we do know what we do know bowls this world over. It makes all the difference. Alleluia and amen. And Happy New Year. Let us pray. God, the story is so familiar. 
like a comforting blanket that warms us. Help us this day to hear in these words not just comfort and nostalgia, but the challenge to live as those who can walk into the future not knowing everything, but knowing enough of your love, your mercy, and your redemption to make a difference day by day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.